Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. My name is Daniel. My wife, Megan, and I are the location pastors here at Destiny Church, Nuremberg Region. We know that today's message will bless and encourage you because the Bible tells us that the Word of God is alive and active. If you want to connect in with us, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, follow us on social media, or visit our website at destinychurch.de. Let's get into the Word. We are on a journey here in the Word together, and I'm going to continue the series that we began last week that we're teaching through all the churches as part of Destiny here in Europe in this season, and it's called Jesus, Life, and the Other God. Jesus, Life, and the Other God, and if you weren't here last week, you can find the teaching on our YouTube channel in its entirety, so you can catch up with that. And I would say it's very important that you do because this series really needs context and it needs all the bits of the jigsaw to come together so that we hear a holistic teaching and heart of God in it. And um, I just want to come to our base verse to begin with that we find in Luke chapter 16 and verse 13 because it kind of sets the scene for why we've even called this series, Jesus, Life, and the Other God. And it says here, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus brought it really to the point, didn't he? He didn't say you can't serve God and sex, drugs, and rock and roll. He didn't say something else. He just said, look, of all the things that I could be saying right now, as you journey in life, all of us need to deal with this big issue because it's such a huge part of life. And so as pastors, probably our first calling is to be shepherds. And so we're approaching this series, which is only three weeks long. Last week was the first one as shepherds and as pastors, with a responsibility before the Lord to bring the teaching of God to help us navigate life well, to go down the paths of God that help us do life as God intended. So there's no point in ignoring the big stuff. There's no point in saying there's, no, there's a no-go area because it's sensitive. I know it's sensitive. I know this one is like one of those, whoa, are you really going to talk about that on a Sunday morning? Come on, Liam, you know, are we really going to open this one? Well, do you know what? For just three weeks, we're opening it because it affects my life and your life. It affects our family. It affects our future. It affects the here and now. It's a real issue, isn't it? We're all doing this thing called life, and this is a huge part of life. So let's come to it and with the heart of simply saying, God, help me navigate this one. What are the ways of God in this one. And Jesus made it such an important issue. He said, look, if you're going to go through life, you're going to have to deal with this because all of us will be affected by it. So with that heart, we're coming at this subject matter only for a three-week series together. But our prayer is that across the board, we will journey on the paths that God has for us. Now, in order to kind of get into detail, we need to understand the 
heartbeat and the broad heart of God towards us. We need to have convictions that we carry towards this and indeed to all things. So very, very quickly, I'm just going to mention what was said last week because it was kind of setting the scene for the detail that's coming. The first thing we really need to settle in our hearts as a human being, as a man, as a woman, is this. God is the owner of everything. Everything belongs to God. That, that's, that's the number one thing. If we don't get that, we're going to spend our life trying to make deals with God as to what's actually ours and what's His. So we need to settle the big thing, and that is this. I came in with nothing. I'm going to go out with nothing. And actually, everything belongs to Him anyway. Even if I worked for it, even if I inherited it, regardless of how it came into my life, I have accepted everything belongs to God. The second thing we need to carry as a conviction is he's actually for me and wants the best for me. God is not on the take from me. He doesn't want to subtract from my life. He actually does want the best. So we, we shouldn't approach, it, approach subjects with suspicion. We shouldn't think, oh, I don't know if you really want the best. We have to say, I accept you want the best for me. And Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Hey, don't mix the two up. And so I want us to come to this and say, this is the heartbeat of God towards me. Then thirdly, as a shepherd, as I said, his way is the best way. So if all the ways we can go, when we look at mountaintops, where I come from in Scotland, or down in the Alps, not that far from here, the several trails going up mountains and so on, and you think, well, what's the best way to go? What's the least dangerous way to go? And the Bible tells us his ways prosper at all times. And he guides me in the paths of righteousness. So this is with the heart of saying, in navigating life, I want to go God's way. He's for me. He wants the best for me. And these ways are going to work it always. But what's my role in it all? We looked at last week. I'm a manager. He owns it, but I'm then to manage and we need to realize that money is a God, the Bible says, that longs to be loved. It longs to be loved, and it affects our heart. It's a heart issue, and it's a spiritual issue. And I w wanted to repeat that because it is not fundamentally an Excel spreadsheet budgeting issue. It is not fundamentally a practical management issue it is actually representative of a heart issue, and it's a spiritual issue. We need to realize that every area of our life is spiritual, first of all. We have to realize that it's all subject to spiritual dynamics. And when we realize that, we come and we have an angle of approach to this subject with spiritual spiritual understanding in the forefront. And that's the angle of approach we're coming to this at, rather than a budgeting class or a finance seminar. We're coming, as I said, as pastors on a journey together in life, saying, God, I, I want to understand your ways and I want to walk in your ways, convinced of your heart towards me, and spiritual things have a practical outworking 
in our life. Are we together here? Give me a wave. Are we cool? Those of you online, high five the screen, tap something, give an emoji, something of that nature. So that was last week. Now we're coming into another section of this, and we're going to begin here together. Let's also acknowledge life is full of decisions we need to make. And there are probably two things that we can only use once. First of all, our time. We all need to decide how am I going to use my time. You've made a decision today to either tune in or to come. That's a decision you made. Of all the stuff you could have done this morning, you said, I'm going to come to the house of the Lord digitally or physically. But another constant decision we all need to make is this. How do I use my finance? How do I, how do I use it? How do I prioritize it? All of us have those decisions to make. Will I buy that Starbucks coffee or won't I? Or will I go get the cheap one? You know, will I go to the Maldives on holiday or will I have a staycation? You know, we all got to make those decisions. Will I have one child or five children? Because one is cheaper than five. That's why I stopped it too. <laughs> Thank you. Those of you got five or more, well done. But you need to go buy the seven-seater car, don't you? So all these decisions in life we have to make. I want to speak first of all about open heavens. Open heavens. And as I said a few moments ago, everything is spiritual. And we're making the subject of finance, which is a huge part of all of our lives, first of all, spiritual. The Bible mentions this phrase, open heavens, twice. We find it for the first time in Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. It says this, in the 600th year of Noah's life, wow, <laughs> wow, he, see, he saw a lot, didn't he? In the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the windows of the heavens were opened. That's the first time we hear this phrase, the windows of heaven. And the context of it being used was actually in judgment. The windows of heaven were opened because of judgment being brought on the sin and the unrighteousness of people on the planet. The second time we find this phrase is in Malachi chapter 3 and verses 8 to 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. So this is the second time we hear this phrase, the windows of heaven, but this time for blessing. And so the question is, are we making our finances a spiritual issue and are we bringing it under the open window of heaven for blessing? What is blessing? It's when God gets involved. It's when God touches. It's that spiritual God factor, which is often inexplicable, 
it's that je ne sais quoi that you just think there's something on this that is not normal. It's blessed. It's touched. God gets involved. That's what happens when he opens the windows of heaven and throws out a blessing. Something of God touches this, which is not normal, which is not management, which is not to do with organization. It's supernatural. And all of us have a decision to make. Will I bring my financial life over into that place where God can be involved in the way that only God can? And according to the Bible, the first step of doing that is when we decide to act with something called tithing. Now, we teach on this in our According to the Pattern course, which is a journey in the Word and explains what we believe. And so maybe you've already done that. Maybe you already are actively tithing and you understand this. So today is for everyone because it's meant to be also a, a refresher and an encouragement on the journey of why we do this and why we can do this with faith and expectation. But maybe it's something new for you today. Maybe it's something you've heard of. Wherever you're at, the biggest principle to get today is this. Make finances spiritual, not Excel in the first line. Tithing is 10%. Not 8.9%, not 5%, not 7%, but 10%. And it says there in these verses, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. So when I also want to live biblically and according to the word, and we've heard the testimony of Whitney today, when she got baptized in line with God's word, something happened. She just brought her life into line with God's word on the issue. So when I live biblically and I bring the whole 10%, not 7.8, not 9.9, but 10%, then something happens as I honor God. And that's the first matter I want to consider here is a matter of honor. I read a book a few years ago by an author called that, A Matter of Honor. It was a, just a book about, it's just a, what's the word, a, a, a novel, nothing, nothing biblical, but it was all about honor. And we want to begin there when it comes to this subject matter of tithing, because that is actually what it's all about, a human being, honoring God, our creator, and God, our provider, in the first place and priority of our heart and our action and our decision making. That's what this is about. It is not about church budgets. It is not about any budget. It's about you as a man, you as a woman, honoring God firstly and foremostly, recognizing his place. Exodus 23, 19, you shall bring the choice first fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God. And this issue of tithing, this principle of tithing is tied up with that, the first fruits. But they, there was this sense of before I take of the first fruits to eat, before I take of the first fruits to provide for my family, before I take of the harvest, I want to say, I, I honor you, God, as the provider of all things into my life. I recognize 
my humanity and you are the provider into my life. Whether it comes through the company, whether it comes through family, whether it comes through this vessel or that vessel. Above it all, you are my provider. You are my sustainer. And I honor you, my Lord and my God. And with that heart, I put you first. You have the place of honor. And yes, it's a God that would seek for me to love it. And yes, it's a God that would seek to dictate to me. And yes, it's something that the enemy would seek to say, can you afford to? But in the first place, there is a principle of honor in my life which will stand forever between me as your created being and you, my God, my provider. That's what it's about in the first instance. It's between you and God and honoring him. And giving him that place. In Genesis 14 verse 20. Blessed be God most high. Who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And it says that Abraham gave him a tenth of all. His attitude and response of honor and blessing. And recognizing what God had done for him. Was to tithe. Was to say of the thousand euros I've got, a hundred is being brought to you before anything else. See, this was nothing to do with law keeping. This was nothing to do with being religious. This was nothing to do with budgeting. This was nothing to do with anything actually other than recognition and honor of God between a human being and him. Genesis 4, 3 to 5, we find a story which confused me for many, many years. And it's a story of Cain and Abel, the two brothers. And it says this. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. That confused me for a long time. I was thinking, what was wrong with the offering from Cain? I would say to it lies in the following. It says, Cain presented some of his crops. In other words, he went and got some of them and said, hey, here's, here's something. It's like, you know, when you go in your, oh, there's an offering, and you kind of go into your pocket, and you go, I've got a couple of coins, maybe a, maybe a five-euro note, and I just go, yeah, well, there's something. So you've given something. But it speaks of Abel and says he brought a gift. And then it highlights the best portions of what? The firstborn lambs from his flock. You can just imagine Abel saying, look at this new, these new lambs have been given. The precious lambs that has been given. I want to honor God. That was his first thought. Oh, I want to give him the best. Where's the best? Where's the first ones? God, I want to honor you from the first of these lambs. He came with that heart of consideration. He came with that heart of honor. And God saw that and said, look, King, you, you came with something. But Abel came with that heart of honoring. And that was the difference. Sometimes... People come and say, Pastor, Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, Pastor, will you just pray because I'm in a financial need or other things like that? And 
Prayer is good. But the truth is, if this area of our life was only affected by praying, that's what the Bible would say. It wouldn't give any more instruction. But it doesn't say that. It gives very specific things to do. And so the first thing we need to do is I need to prioritize in this area of my life so that God can optimize. There's no point praying about it if you're not doing this. Because the Bible doesn't say it's okay if you pray about it. No, he said there's a specific way. There's a specific path. There's, there's, there's something to, to order here and prioritize here that opens the windows of heaven. If it was simply praying I'll open, God would have said that. Praying about it is good. But it's only maybe one number on a combination lock. And so that's why I started by saying we have decisions to make. Will I do this or not? The truth is, everybody tithes. Everyone does something with the first 10%. Maybe you use it for a hobby. Maybe you use it to send to a friend. Maybe you, you in, in one way or another, that first 10% goes somewhere. The question is, where? The question is, do I bring it all into the storehouse into the house from which I'm fed spiritually, is that where it goes or not? And all of us have that first decision to make with the convictions we spoke about a few moments ago. So it's a matter of honor. Secondly, it's a stewardship test. It's a stewardship test. Who likes tests, anybody? We don't like them, but we're glad that we go through them. I was on an airplane last week for the first time in two years. I'm really glad that the people sitting up front had to take a few exams. You know what I'm saying? I am really glad that when you hear that voice coming on the tunnel, all, all pilots sound the same, don't they? And they always tell you the same useless information. You're, I really couldn't care less what height we're flying at. And I really couldn't care less if we're coming in on the northeasterly runway or the west runway as long as we land this thing and it's not on water. Are we, are we together here? I really don't understand. But anyway, moving on. There is a stewardship test. Leviticus 27.30. Thus, all of the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the trees is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. Holy means separate to it belongs to him. It's, it's not something that can, is up for grabs. See, that's why I said the first question last week, everything belongs to God. Because if we don't get that, we're going, no, no, a bit of it belongs to me. Well, you know, you can have this bit, but no, no, come on now. You know, I've worked this out in my Excel spreadsheet, and that's what I can afford to give you. Well, see, we've missed it completely because, it, as I said, it's nothing to do with that. God was always into the first. So we have that first of the lambs. We've got the first of the fruits. And that's what the tithe was. And then Joshua chapter 6, 17 to 19 says this, this city, speaking of Jericho, will be under the ban. It and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. But all the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are 
holy to the Lord, they shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So Joshua comes into the promised land and the several cities to conquer. God said the first city, see the priority again, the first, but everything in it belongs to me. He said, everything in it belongs to me. But then something happened. Joshua 7 verse 1 tells us that Achan took some of the things under the ban. He took something that didn't belong to him. And because of that, they couldn't make any more progress, and they failed to take the city of Ai until this was put right. The funny thing is, in the second city, God said, everything in that city you can have. I just wanted to see if you were going to do as you were told and give me everything from the first city. And until you put that right, we ain't going any further. God wants first priority. Can he trust you with something that is not yours? That's why he said in Malachi, you're robbing me. Why? With tithes and offerings. You're keeping something that doesn't belong to you. He said, well, I need it to budget. The thing is, you might as well go and rob the local bank because you're robbing God doesn't belong and that's why the bible says we bring our tithe we don't give it because it's not ours to give you know when i have a hire car i don't bring the car back and knock on the door of the hire company and say guys you never guess what what the, i'm going to be really generous to you today yeah yeah i want to give you a car how cool am i how generous am i uh, Mr. Smith, it's our car. No, 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 no. I'm bringing this car. I'm giving you this car. No, you're not. You're just bringing it back. It doesn't belong to you. Now, when I give it to you, I want you to reward me. No. <laughs> you know, you, come on, bless me. Give me something for bringing it, giving it back to you. That's not how it works. He says, the car belongs to me. You're just bringing it back to me. You're not being generous. You've not given me anything. It simply belongs to me, and you're doing the right thing by bringing it back. Whether I say thank you or not, it's not the issue. Why is it when we tithe, we go, oh, man, I've given a lot. You just better be thankful that I gave you that. God's going, you didn't give me nothing. Belongs to me anyway. Yeah, well, come on and bless me. Bless me. Hey, even if God gave us, didn't open a window of heaven and say, I'm going to bless you, it's the right thing to do. It belongs to him. We're not going to rob him of something that doesn't look. So God's saying, can I trust you? Jesus actually said, if I can't be trusted with unrighteous mammon, which is a real old term for saying wealth and money, I'm not going to give you true riches. And that's why we're saying Jesus' life and the other God. Because see this God, it wants to get hold of our heart. It wants to create a tussle between us and God. And it wants to take a place that it's not meant to play. So the first thing that we do is honor, but it also says, I ain't letting this thing get hold of me. I'm passing the test. This belongs to God. I'm not going to keep hold of it for my summer holiday money because I'm not going to rob God for it. See, this is nothing, as I said, to do with planning. It's to do with heart and spiritual and honoring and positioning of God and what's right and what's proper between us and him. The third thing, tithing, is, is a resourcing of God's house. So it's all of these things, but then God uses it to resource his house. In Nehemiah 13, 10 to 12, we see what happens when that doesn't happen. 
See, God has given us pathways and says, this is the way this works. I don't have many plan Bs. You either walk down this or you don't. As I said about praying and can we just pray our way out of it? And so he says, look, this is the way I'm going to provide into my house for the ministry that needs to take place. If you don't do it, there's no plan B in the cupboard I'm going to bring out. And this is what's happened here in Nehemiah 13, 10 to 12. It says this, I also discovered that the portions of the Levites had not been given them. The Levites were those ministering in the house. They were the priests. So that the Levites and the singers who performed the service had gone away, each to his own field. Well, there's no resource in the house because the guys aren't bringing it. So guess what? We're off down the local shop to get a job and we're off down the local company to work there and, you know, sorry we can't prepare sermons and sorry we can't shepherd and sorry we can't serve because, you know, our time's taken up with all the other stuff. So it says, I reprimanded the officials and said, why is the house of God forsaken? Well, you know, everyone's using their tithes for everything else. You know, it's, what's the big deal? Well, it's forsaken. Then I gathered them together and restored them to their posts. All Judah then brought the tithe of the grain, wine, and oil into the storehouses. So prophetically speaking, it's like, this isn't right. The resource isn't there because we've decided to rob God, shut the windows of heaven, make it a budgeting matter, and shut down the ways of God in our own life and in our corporate life. And so we need to be those who are saying, God, I want to be part of your ways in all ways. Fourthly, don't worry, there's only 40 points. <laughs> no, there isn't. There's only five. We're good. Five's the number of grace, by the way. And so I hope we're hearing this with grace and love. It's not an easy topic to talk about, but let's not hide from the big things. And our heart is, God, open the windows of heaven. And I want to be an honorer of you. Even if you didn't open a window, as I said, it's the right thing to do. It's not always an easy thing to do. Let's be honest. You know, it's not always an easy step. It's, it's like, a, you know, getting out. It's like going into cold water, isn't it, in the, in the swimming pool? You know, you put your foot in and then you kind of think about it. And I remember when I was eight years old having a holiday in Portugal. There was this guy from Texas, actually. Anyone in from Texas? She's over there. Anyone on the camera from Texas, give us a yeehaw. I need to go to Texas and get a pair of Stetson boots and a cowboy hat. And I'm going to walk in. I'm going, uh, Kelly, you got to set me up somehow. But the reason I'm saying there's this guy from Texas. And he, I remember to this day, I was only eight years old. And he just said, Liam is just the initial shock. It's just the initial shock. I know it's not a very good accent, moving on. But it was like just the initial shock of getting in that water, you know, that initial shock of the cold water. So maybe you're not operating this principle, but I want to encourage you to start, and maybe that first step's the big step. Maybe you're operating in this principle already, and I want to encourage you to say, God, you said you'd open the windows. Have great expectation. Have great expectation that spiritual dynamics are in your life. Keep on going and keep activating this. Because the other point forward of this is tithing is a cause of blessing in our life. In Malachi 3.10, as we said, 
if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. See, just like Whitney said about baptism, it feels like, well, all I've done is go under the water and straight by up again. What's the big deal? But in that moment, because of an obedient step that was made, blessing is on it. That's why you go, my life's changed. That's why you then, over the next few months, start to recognize something shifted and changed it. One of the girls that became a Christian with us in the Rosenheim location in September, a year or so ago, got baptized last summer. And she says as well, from that moment, everything changed. Our, things happened in our friendship group. Just stuff started happening. And she looks back at the moment of baptism as being the moment it changed. See, it's not the physical act. It's the act of obedience and the honoring of God and his word and his ways. God goes, I'm going to touch that. So you think, this is a big step, 10%. But if you come with the heart of honor and of obedience, God goes, I'm going to touch the rest of the 90% in a way that you can never physically, possibly, humanly do despite your intelligence, despite your planning, despite anything you could do. Believe me, if you bring over into God-controlled, God-touched, supernaturally blessed territory, your finances, believe me, let me involved with that 90%, I will blow your mind. I will do something supernatural. Walk down the path of honor. Walk down the path of prioritization. Walk down the way of God. And see if I will not. It's the one and only place in the word God says, test me. Test me. In other words, he kind of says, go on, I dare you. Go on then. Give me a chance here. Let me show myself strong in your behalf. Go on, let me in. Go on. I dare you. Go on, test me. And see, then we go, oh, yeah, but God, I think you're going to take from me. God, I don't know if I can trust you. God, I, don't, I think you're going to minimize. God, God I, I don't know. See, that's showing what's in your heart. Immediately, as it hits that issue in your life, because it's so easy, the other God in our life, you struggle because you have a conviction in your heart that you didn't know was there, that you think God is somehow not going to keep his word, didn't mean it, is mean and greedy, and you'll lose out, and you can do it better yourself. See, there's nothing like finance for God to bring his money, his finger, and go, see? And you go, oof. <laughs> That's why Jesus said what he said. You have to deal with this one because if there's anyone in life going to stand in opposition to you really trusting God, it's going to be this issue. But God says, hey, my paths are to bring you to green pastures, quiet waters, windows of heaven being opened and blessing being poured out. My ways work at all times. I'm inviting you into these ways. And as I started off by saying today, it's always a bit of a risk talking about this subject because it could be misunderstood. But we have a responsibility to lead and teach and help and shepherd with love down the paths of God for our life. And this one affects us all. The marriage conference maybe affects 50% of you, if you're married, 
But this one affects us all. When you operate with these principles, you become very resource conscious. Very resource conscious. Because you suddenly realize I'm handling something that doesn't belong to me. I suddenly realize I'm dealing with spiritual dynamics and issues here. I suddenly realize that five euros from the hundred euros isn't 10%, it's 5%. And you suddenly realize, wait a minute, it says the whole time, I'm going to make blooming sure I honor God. I'm going to make sure I'm not robbing. So it's going to be 10 from the hundred, it's not going to be 9.8, it's going to be 10. I become very conscious of what comes in. I become very conscious the last time I checked if, I'm re if I am given the 10 or have I had three pay rises since then and I've not even adjusted my standing order. I, I become conscious and deeply aware of what's coming in because I'm living with an awareness of this is not just a natural thing, it's a supernatural thing. And the fifth thing to say as we close and land the plane is it still valid today? See, I know sometimes it's, ah, oh, see, that was in the Old Testament. That's not valid. Phew! <laughs> but actually, as I pointed out earlier, this principle was brought in and shown to us as the right thing to do between a human being and God before any law was brought, before any Ten Commandments was brought, before anything was done. So the question for us today is, is it always right for us to honor God? Is it always right for us to give and bring to God what belongs to Him? Of course it is. It's a heart matter. It's a spiritual matter. It's an ownership issue. It's what has actually got hold of my heart issue. Now in the next week, we're going to look at some other things and make some other practical comments and stuff because this area that we're looking at isn't just one strand, it's several strands. And there's good wisdom for living life. But this is step number one. And there's other things I know that often need to be looked at and managed and with wisdom from the Word and all of that. God's got great practical wisdom for us in all of that. But I'm talking about prioritizing so that God can optimize. When we look in the Old Testament, some things stopped, some things didn't come over into the new. Because they find their fulfillment in Jesus, or there is another practice given for us to fulfill the function of the practice in the Old Testament that's no longer valid. So, for example, we don't need to go to a priest to confess our sins because Jesus is our high priest. He fulfills that role. Now we can go directly to him. The principle is fulfilled in Jesus so it doesn't come over into the new. We don't need to bring blood offerings anymore and sacrifices because as we know, Jesus has become our once and for all sacrifice. So we don't need to keep on doing all that stuff with animals and Passovers and all the rest of it because Jesus has become that for us. So that's fulfilled. We don't need to get circumcised anymore. Hallelujah. I thought I'd hear a few more hallelujahs from the male contingent. That would be awkward, wouldn't it? We're talking about baptisms coming up. 
Because baptism replaced circumcision as the sign of belonging in God's family. We invite our friends, come to a baptism service. It would have been a heck of a lot more difficult to say, hey man, in a month's time we're having a circumcision service. Major outreach opportunity. I think God thought, nah, we're not going to go down that road. I know how these guys are going to be in the year 2022. They're going to have baptism in the car park. We ain't doing any of that circumcision stuff. Let's change this one. But that's the reason. It's not just for practical reasons, obviously, but spiritual reasons. said, no, the sign of belonging is now baptism. You don't need to do that anymore. You don't need to keep a Sabbath anymore. Why? Because Jesus has become for us our Sabbath. But there is no replacement for tithing. There is no, well, that's been fulfilled in that way. It's never replaced. It's a timeless principle of the heart and of spiritual dynamics between a human being and the God who created us and the God who wants first place in our hearts and the God who wants to reign in our priorities and the God who says, I'm your provider. And between you and me, let's recognize that firstly. And boy, am I going to show myself strong that my ways work in your life. Even in that practical stuff where it's a big step of faith and a big step of trust. But if in your heart you carry convictions of God's for me, he doesn't want to take from me, he's good all the time, his ways can be trusted all the time, his ways prosper all the time, then there is no issue when you know your God to be that God of trusting him even in this big area that is sometimes difficult to walk. So I want to invite you today to come on over into that God zone. I want to invite you to make that decision. I want to make, invite you to keep on walking that path if you're on it already. I want to invite you to be resource conscious and honor conscious and spiritual dynamics conscious. I want to invite you to open those windows of heaven as a shepherd desperate for us to go on the right path in life. I want to invite you to walk the path of honor called tithing. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're here in the room. God loves every single one of us. He is our good shepherd. He's our, the lover of our soul. Oh, he knows the stuff that we need. He's mindful of the practical. He's mindful of our questions. But so often his word speaks of the ways of God. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Quiet waters, green pastures. Let him now lead you as the shepherd of your life in this area of life. Father, we thank you that you are the good shepherd and good God. You are faithful and true. Thank you, God, for testimonies that we've heard already today of steps of obedience taken, which might look small and practical, but actually outwork a spiritual dynamic that makes a huge difference, long-lasting and lifelong. I'm asking you, God, to give us ears to hear today. I'm asking you, God, to give us hearts to respond today. I ask you, God, for encouragement to come today to us all in our journey in life. 
I'm asking you, God, for testimonies to come. As we walk the path of God, trusting you to be exactly who you say you are and to prove the word of God true in our lives. We love you, Jesus. Hey, just stay with me in prayer one more moment before we come to an end. Speaking about a relationship with God, I'm speaking about doing life with God, I'm speaking about engaging with God, I'm speaking about intimately walking with Him in vital areas that maybe in the room today and maybe online, you don't know God personally. You've tuned in. Maybe by accident you find us on YouTube. Maybe you've come with a friend or maybe however you're here, you're here. God knows you were going to be here and there's no coincidences. So maybe, just maybe, today isn't about this. It's about this. Do you even know God in the first place? Do you know Jesus died for you? Do you know he loves you? Do you know that your sin is no longer a barrier because he took it all away? All this stuff that you know you've done and all this stuff that you know in your story and history, it's all gone. The only thing that now stands is this. Have you made the decision to say, Jesus, you're my Lord, my God. I'm going to follow you. I accept what you did. I acknowledge what you did. Thank you for saving me. I want to have a relationship with you. That's the only thing, the only decision you need to make today. If you would like to make that decision and you're in the room, I'm going to ask you simply to raise your hand for me so I can know you're making that decision. Everyone else got eyes closed or I'm asking you to close your eyes. Just make that moment between you and God. God, save me today. Maybe you're online. Can't see your hand, but maybe you want to just raise it where you're sitting as an act of reaching out to God. And then I would love to ask you to connect with us through the various ways of connecting there through social media, website, links on YouTube, etc. And let us know, I made that decision. Help me in the next steps. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Is there anyone in the room today? Just raise your hand for me. We thank you, God. Lord, I praise you and thank you that you know where we're all at on our journey. And I'm asking you in Jesus' name to help us take more steps on that journey today than yesterday and more tomorrow. In Jesus' name.